Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. So December is a really fun month for farmers and seed companies alike. This is the time of year where we have all of our harvest results in and we can begin making decisions based on the yields by field by product. And as we make this decision, we look forward to what we're going to select for planting for 2022. And seed companies, we're looking at what we might advance for 2023 and beyond. But you'll often see quoted throughout the industry quotes such as, individual results may vary. Relative performance may vary from field to field and from year to year. Growers should evaluate performance from multiple geographies, fields, and years whenever possible. So today we're going to break down what does that quote mean, that disclaimer, and how should we approach interpreting our results as we look at 2021 and plan for 2022. To talk to us about that today, we have Brad Schindler on the line. Brad, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Jim, and uh, thanks for having me on board today. Um, yeah, Brad Schindler. I live up in uh, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota. I'm a direct sales representative for Rob Seco Seed, and uh, I cover Western Iowa. I work with about a dozen uh, dealers and their customers and, and do some direct selling uh, uh, along with some key accounts myself. Perfect. So, Brad, let's go ahead and break down that general disclaimer that's used for product evaluation. What is meant by that statement overall? Well, you know, I've, I've had 32 years of uh, growing seasons under my belt in this industry. And um, when we have disclaimers like that, it's, it's important to keep in mind that the product that we're, we're selling to our customers is a, is a living, breathing organism. And uh, there's lots of variables that, uh, that can affect that plant um, year to year, year over year, and the types of different growing seasons that we have every year. Absolutely. And, you know, Individual results may vary. Relative performance may vary by field to field. I mean, you're absolutely right. These things are living plants. And just like you or I may not brush our teeth exactly the same way every morning or evening. And um, it may be, you know, doing something slightly different that can throw uh, performance off. I mean, a, a single hybrid may have an average win of three bushels an acre over another product. But if you look at individual fields, plots, strip trials, whatever it might be, that could range from minus 10 to plus 20 versus a given product. And so there's a lot of variability that comes from all sorts of factors there. Yeah, but I totally agree. There's year over year, we have so many different things that can affect hybrids differently one year to the next. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the second half of that statement is the growers should evaluate performance in multiple geographies, fields, and years whenever possible. So can you tell us just a little bit about, I mean, why should you look at a broader set of data, a broader set of years, rather than just your own strip trial you had on your farm? Well, I mean, we all we all love to look at the the hybrid uh, that did well in our plot right on our farm, but but it's just critical to to broaden your horizon a little bit and and stretch out. I like to to work with the surrounding uh, counties around a particular grower when I'm gathering yield data for that for that person, especially if they're new, to show that that uh, not only in your neighborhood, but but maybe a county over a hybrid performs equally as well under similar growing conditions. Exactly. And, and even to go beyond that, I mean, oftentimes we'll look at a product in a state level or a regional mm -hmm. level just to show that, you know, in, in western Iowa, you might be in, you know, near Trainer, Iowa, and you might find that 
one year trainer Iowa acts more like Seward, Nebraska, and the next year it acts a little bit more like uh, Des Moines, Iowa. And so, you know, you might get a shift. So looking regionally also helps you understand what a year-to-year difference might make for a given product. Usually we get a lot more locations, too, when we're doing side-by-sides when we open up the, the scope of the geography a little bit, too, and that helps with the accuracy of the data. For sure, for sure. And so, you know, there are a lot of factors that, that would fall under that scope of a broader geography and even on a farmer's own farm. A given field can have all sorts of different conditions and variables with it. So what are some of those factors that may impact a hybrid or a variety's performance across soil types, management practices, and years for a single farm? Well, there's, there's just a multitude of things that, that we like to go into. Tillage year over year. Um, I've got a lot of no-till in western Iowa, so um, if a guy's a no-till guy, we'll certainly try to, to skew the data to, to show them how emergence, for example, uh, performs in, in a hybrid planted early. Mm-hmm. Um, crop rotation, cover crops have gained a lot of popularity, so we want to keep an eye on those. Um, you might have row width differences, mm-hmm. 20 inch row corn versus 30 or occasionally some 36 inch rows. Yep. Um, you know, uh, I'm working with about seven or eight different uh, soil types, and, and we have hybrids that, that will do well maybe in your, your Des Moines lobe, the flat blacks, so to speak, and, and then uh, that same hybrid may not be what a guy would want on some of the, the, the uh, uh, terraced ground in western Plymouth County that's lighter soil and, and uh, needs a different characteristic than that Des Moines lobe hybrid does. Exactly. You know, you, you touched on some really good points there and that, you know, one hybrid that does well in the Des Moines lobe, you know, it, but not so well in another soil type really gets at the mm-hmm. fact that there's a G by E interaction. And what we mean by that is the genetics by the environment and the environment mm-hmm. in this case be a soil type. And, you know, there are lots of examples of how this could work. And so that's why we have to measure it across broad geographies to understand what the, the range in G by E interactions would, it might be. And so a good example in corn is that we evaluate hybrids based on how they respond to high pH. And so as you get into the West, you run into high pH soils that can cause stunting and yellowing of corn that causes some chlorosis and striping. And some hybrids will look like they're not impacted at all, whereas others may only get to be you know, chin, you know, chin high or so. And that's an interaction between the corn's genetics and the pH of the soil and dictates the ability of that hybrid to uh, make iron available to take up into the plants and actually use. And so you find all sorts of examples like that. Another comment can be made about the interaction between the hybrid and management practices. And, you know, you, you mentioned just a little bit about row width and could you give us an example you know soybeans are a great example of this and how row widths might impact that can you talk to us a little bit about that you bet so um up in our part of the world white mold can be a real challenge for guys and and that typically will happen when you have a a closed canopy um Mm -hmm. especially in narrow rows uh, seven inch rows 15 inch rows even 20 inch rows and and that canopy can can retain moisture and and make a good uh growing condition for the white mold. And, right. and so um, in those situations where we have a challenging uh, field that we're going into with soybeans, we'll often we'll suggest maybe take a look at 30 inch rows in that particular field and, and let a little air flow through there and change up what we normally would do to help address a, a, a disease problem like white mold. Exactly. I mean, if Rap Seco, if we put out yield data for a variety that only came from 30 inch rows, 
we might miss out on on reflecting right. what that true variety performance might be under a narrow mm-hmm. row situation because white mold comes in. Now, the converse is also true because you might have a variety that's a really narrow canopy and doesn't shade the row in a 30-inch row right. or, or it's really, really slow to do so, and you can miss out on yields from that perspective yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So what impacts can a given year have versus another year on on individual products and and why might that occur well this was a really good year of of that this year we had um a lot of a lot of radiant sunlight a lot of heat especially late uh, in in july and august Mm -hmm. and and my yield results in our part of the world really were kind of skewed towards full season corn hybrids and uh, if you look at uh we normally in in a normal year we'll plant 98 day to 112 or 14 day corn um, this year, the 110 day plus really, uh, those hybrids really stood out and, yep. and it was due primarily to the type of growing season that we had. And, and if everybody starts ordering all full season corn next year is, could be a completely different animal. And, uh, mm-hmm. we've had, uh, we've had early freezes and, and short growing seasons before where the full season products never mature properly and don't dry down. And, and, uh, we need to, to cover our, cover both sides of that equation with our maturities. Exactly. I mean, you, you just touched on a couple of those examples of what might impact it. And so, you know, we might get a lot more heat units in one year versus another because mm-hmm. we have a warmer year. We could also have warmer nights that can lead to the inability of non-heat tolerant hybrids to maintain their yield. They may just produce and spend on you spend too much sugars during that time period. Solar radiation, some hybrids respond slightly differently to solar radiation. Right. Uh, wind events, so green snap, no green snap, et cetera. Those are all big factors in the year-to-year interaction for a given product. But I think that generally, as most farmers have seen and we've seen, moisture and timing of moisture plays probably the biggest role in right. that year-to-year interaction. Mm-hmm. I always remind remind the people that we're working with is we're planning for next year's crop, and, and next year is going to be different than the, the year mm-hmm. previous that we just got just finished up, and we got to keep that always keep that in mind when we're planning, doing our crop planning. Exactly. So, Brad, how should a farmer utilize the information that he or she generates on his or her own farm? I, I think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's always their favorite data is the data right on their own fields. And, and, and that's, it's always important to use that as a subset of a lot of other information and, and data that you can gather. And, and I encourage guys to tinker and, and keep track of their own yields and their, on their own farms, but, but also look at the university studies and look at things like the first trials and, and local third party independent data and, and competitive plots. And you can start seeing trends when you do that. And it just makes your selection a lot more valid and, and a lot more predictable uh, for the following year. Exactly. It's, it's really tempting to look at just your own single data point and, and mm-hmm. make a decision off of that. But there's so many yeah. other factors. And I think one thing that that I see a lot is that there's a huge temptation to compare the performance of one product on one farm to the compare the performance of another product on a neighbor's farm or one of your other farms that's five miles away that may have a different mm-hmm. planting date. Yeah, you know, how how should you avoid that, or why should you avoid that? Really, 
boy, we get that every year, you know, something across the fence. And, and that doesn't take into consideration planting date. Was it planted at the same time, even the same week? Mm-hmm. Um, did they use fungicide? Did they use an early application of fungicide or, or late application? And um, which which platform did they use for their soybean uh different different traits that are out there and and so yeah you you have to compare apples to apples and when you start start comparing field to field if you're if you haven't done everything exactly the same at the same time then you start looking at different variables that can affect the validity of those results exactly exactly and you know a lot of farmers do have an advantage too in that that they'll have a plot a competitive plot on their farm where maybe last year they had a plot of 12 different hybrids and picked a couple of those to plants on their farm the next year. Maybe the winner of last year's plot it was in the middle of the pack from a field perspective the following year. How should you take into account those multiple years of, of data? I mean, should you run away from a hybrid as soon as it has a poor year? Should you stick with it? At what point should you uh, really start gathering all that together? I, I like to look at you know the top third of the plot. If you're doing your own plot data and look that those hybrids that are in the top third are, are more than likely you know the, the the solid part of that plot, and especially if they've done well two or three years in a row in your plot in that top third, um, there's no reason to to walk away from a hybrid that has an off year. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, when something out of the ordinary, a wind event like derecho last year or, or a, you know, a microburst or tornado or, or things like that can, can not be something that I would use in, in, in just figuring out which products you're going to put in your portfolio for the following year. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really tempting to find that you know, one little thing that goes wrong with products. Right. The longer you've seen a product, the more you know about what its flaws are. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really tempting to say, hey, this, this product that did really well last year and the year before and the year before, you know, I know it's flaws. It doesn't take this well. So let's go ahead and you know, jump too quickly to something else and abandon that, old, you know, that, right. that older product. Right, right. So, Brad, just to kind of summarize our discussion overall before we close out, I mean, th- this disclaimer that we always hear in the industry from multiple seed companies about your results may vary, you know, it really does have some validity to it because – there's variability dealing with living organisms. You may have different management field practices and environments that can impact a product's performance, different years in which a product may be impacted one year more than another due to conditions that occur. And so you really have to take into account the multiple locations from your region, your part of the world, not just your individual county, not just your own farm, to take a look and, and see what are those best products for your farm, for your management practices, and you definitely take into account and put a lot of weight on the data you generate on your own farm, but also look at what happened around you, your neighbors, mm-hmm. some competitive plots and things of that sort. Anything that you'd like to add to that summary? Well, you know, any of that kind of stuff that, that the grower can help give to somebody like me just makes my job a lot easier and helps me make, uh, you know, more, um, better recommendations to help them have a good experience with our products. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If, if there's information that can be used to help place a product, then it's, it's mm-hmm. best if that information is communicated to, to people like you and Ellen to me. <laughs> uh, well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us in today's episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great. So as always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th for every of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready. A Huda Media Production.